When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to an emergency podcast edition, the Miles Garrett edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Also my dog barking in the background. I'm going to tell you about Football Insider. That's what he's so excited about. Uh, click the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash browns to get all the details, all the information, get signed up, you get a newsletter, you can be a part of our texting service, and you get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Now here's our emergency podcast on Miles Garrett. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll call it an emergency edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And of course, the reason we're doing this is because Miles Garrett, uh, who missed the last couple days not feeling well, uh, turns out that he tested positive for COVID-19. He is on the reserve COVID list. He is definitely going to miss Sunday's game against the Eagles. Who knows what's going to happen with the Jacksonville game? I'm, I'm sure we will get into that as we go along here, but we wanted to kind of get a pot up and talk about what is pretty significant news because Miles Garrett is the best player on this football team and the Browns aren't going to have him in a game that you would think they can win. Uh, but let's just start here, Mary Kay. What, what can you tell us you know, right now at four o'clock on Friday about what's going on with Garrett? Well, first of all, as you mentioned, He absolutely has to miss the Eagles game. So we know that for sure. Uh, The thing that's still up in the air a little bit is whether or not he will have to miss the Jacksonville game next week. Uh, The situation with Miles is such that when you are positive and also symptomatic, you have to miss at least 10 days. So if that started today, obviously, he would have to miss the Jacksonville game next week. But the clock actually starts when they first report symptoms. So uh, as early as we know that that was, would have been Wednesday. Now, that could technically get him back by Friday or Saturday, depending on how they start the counting. I think they would count Wednesday as a day. Uh, So that would potentially get him back with the team by next Friday. Uh, which would enable him possibly to play against the Jaguars. But there's a whole other set of circumstances, other hurdles that he must cross in order to actually get on the field. Uh, Those things include uh, no fever for 24 hours, a dissipation of all symptoms, and also uh, some supervised practicing for three days before you can actually go into a full practice with the team or play a game. Now, There are some gray areas for these things. That's why we can't rule him out yet for the Jacksonville game, and we can't rule him in. Uh, It depends on, once again, when did he first report the symptoms, and, you know, when will his symptoms be completely over with, and also, you know, when can he possibly actually start three days of supervised progressive exercise. So this is complicated. (laughs) 
as as you're going through that, I'm thinking this sounds a little bit like the concussion protocol, and now it's it sounds even more complicated uh, than the concussion protocol, which is which is understandable. They're they're certainly trying to to mitigate spreading this thing, mm-hmm. and therein lies the problem, though, because we don't know. We know he missed practice on Wednesday. They told him to stay home on Wednesday, but we don't really know if he would have been able to practice on Tuesday. And, and that's kind of the, the rub here. Like if they would have had a normal practice on a Tuesday or not a normal practice, they would have had practice on a Tuesday, which is their day off. Then we would have known if he would have been told to stay home that day or not. And we just don't, we don't know that yet. Same really could be said for Monday. Um, so it's just, you know, we know for sure he's out for Jack for, uh, for Philadelphia. So let's kind of focus on that. Mm-hmm. I, I said it off the top. This is, I mean, this is the Browns best player, right? There's no, argument to be had there he's he's their mvp absolutely 100 i think everyone can agree on that even though nick chubb has been amazing miles garrett has been the mvt mvp of this football team so far right so you're without him and we saw what that did last season when he missed those six games due to suspension mm-hmm. and i think you would hope that this defense would look a little better without him but it's a little concerning what we saw against the raiders when Miles was unable to really finish that game, he was playing very limited by the end of that game. Uh, we didn't see a lot from this pass rush, and they just haven't gotten a lot from these other guys on their defensive line. Yeah, that's true. As you mentioned, Dan, uh, they went two and six at the end of last season. Uh, I mean, two and four at the end of last season without Miles. And of course, they did not have Olivier Vernon for most of those games as well. So they were without their two starting defensive ends. And that's really tough to overcome. Right now, at least this team still has uh, their other starting defensive end in Olivier Vernon. They've got Adrian Claiborne coming back uh, healthier than he's been before the bye. Uh, He had a hip flexor. He's doing better now. Uh, So they'll rotate Adrian Claiborne and Porter Gustin in there. They still have a really good defensive line. But as you mentioned, Uh, against the Raiders they just really struggled when Miles missed most of that game when he when he suffered a knee injury in that game Uh, when when he goes out what you miss is that game-changing play in all six of their victories he has made the game-changing either strip sack or uh, he he pressures someone into uh, getting a safety or you know something major happens and he wrecks the game Against the Raiders, I kept, you know, I kept thinking if Miles were in here, he would be wrecking this game. It was such a tight, close game. Uh, but and and again, look in the Texans game, what did he do? Drops Deshaun Watson for a two-yard loss on the goal line uh, when when he could have scored on a on a two-yard run there. So um, so that's what Miles does, and it really does kind of put this game into a little bit of doubt on Sunday against the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that has, you know, I'm looking at obviously just the raw stats. Miles Garrett has nine and a half sacks. Sheldon Richardson is second at three and a half. Olivier Vernon has two. Those were both in one game. And Adrian Claiborne does have two sacks. When when he's been healthy and he's been on the field, he's been pretty productive. But then you you kind of dig into some of the uh, the PFF stats we've got, and it's pretty stark. You know, Miles has 40 pressures. Olivier Vernon is second with 18. He's got 24 hurries. Vernon is second with 14. I think this is just edge defender. So let me add in uh, defensive end too. So Sheldon has 20 pressures and he's got 15 hurries. But I mean, it really does all start with Miles Garrett. And 
when you go back to that game on Sunday, you know, Sheldon had a nice game, but a lot of that also came with the help of Miles. You know, Sheldon was in on that fourth and, and goal play, but that was Miles that kind of forced that. You know, they split a sack. So it all kind of it all kind of starts with Miles Garrett and what defenses, I'm sorry, offensive lines have to do to kind of adjust for him. Absolutely, Dan. I mean, my goodness, teams, we see this every single week. Uh, they, they have to game plan around and for Miles Garrett. They double team him. They chip him with tight ends and backs, uh, which causes you to have to leave somebody in uh, instead of putting another guy out on a route. So it really changes everything when you have to account for Miles Garrett on every single snap. And I can assure you uh, that Doug Peterson, who praised him to the high heavens when we had him on a conference call this week, is breathing just a little bit easier knowing that his offense, uh, his offensive front uh, has, they gave up, they've given up a league high 35 sacks this season. Now Carson Wentz is holding the ball too much, but I, I know that those guys are a little bit relieved that they don't have to face Miles Garrett. And, and you know, that was the one thing I've, I've talked about it over and over again, how nervous I was for whatever reason, like irrationally nervous about this game. But the one thing that I always thought about is it's almost a no brainer that Miles was going to get a strip sack in this game. Like if you were ever going to predict a guy's going to get like two strip sacks, this is the game to do it because Carson Wentz holds the football. I mean, we saw Miles chase down Deshaun Watson last week on a, on a, on a scramble. So, you know, this was going to be a game where Miles Garrett, again, could kind of make those game-changing plays and, and give this offense short fields. And it really, does, it really does change things dramatically for what this team can do. I'm not as concerned. Obviously, they, if he misses the Jacksonville game, that's going to hurt them in the same way but I'm not as concerned about Jacksonville. I, I think Philly still has that ability to show up on a given Sunday and be a good enough football team to win a game, especially if a team's best, best by far defensive player is not out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? The other thing is in addition to getting the strip sack that you're talking about, that we know he would have gotten one or two of those uh, probably is the fact that he's gotten really a lot better against the run this year and the Eagles have their running back, their good running back, Miles Sanders back now from injury. He is averaging six yards per carry, which is second in the NFL only to Nick Chubb's 6.1. That's pretty remarkable. And I think there's been a lot of pressure on the Eagles uh, to start running the ball more and take some pressure off of Carson Wentz, who is embattled this year. Uh, he's thrown 12 interceptions. He's turning the ball over uh, at an alarming rate. So, uh, so Miles, you know, they're going to miss him. They're going to miss him a lot in that run game too against Miles Sanders. So when we talk about who's going to step up behind him, we mentioned Claiborne, uh, Porter Gustin, Joe Jackson is a guy he's been inactive for a little while. If, if you recognize that name, good for you. Uh, it's probably from the Cincinnati game. He was involved in that strip sack play on Joe Burrow. I believe he recovered the fumble actually on that play. Uh, so that's where you would recognize that name from. And, and that's kind of where you get hurt. There just isn't, it's not really a flaw in team building because I don't, I mean, who, who can you get to replace Miles Garrett? That person doesn't exist, you know, unless you're also going to have like 
Aaron Donald on the roster or Khalil Mack on the roster or someone like that. Like that's not going to happen. So they're going to have to cobble this together somehow. And maybe, you know, Joe Woods is going to have to get aggressive blitzing some linebackers, you know, Ronnie Harrison, maybe he's going to have to get, get after Carson Wentz a little bit. Uh, he, he's been one of the better pass rushers on this team, believe it or not from the safety position. So uh, Joe Woods is going to have to get creative. Yeah, he, he really is. And I mean, when you look at a team, like the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you can, if, if you don't have uh, Brandon Graham getting his seven sacks, you've got a number of other guys splitting up sacks. I mean, they, they go eight deep on that, on that defensive front. And guys have talked about how, um, you know, how it's almost like a, a hockey team where you have two starting lines, you know? Um, they, you know, you can plug in different guys. You can look to the next guy over there that can get that, that big play for you. It really hasn't been that way uh, for the Browns this season. Olivier Vernon, we've talked about this a few times before on the pod. Olivier Vernon had a really, really slow first half of the season. He finally came up with two sacks against the Raiders for the first time. His first two sacks of the season. They're paying him $11 million this year, and he's really had a hard time uh, getting those pressures, as you mentioned earlier when you rattled those off, uh, and getting to the quarterback. So now, uh, you know, they're going to be able to focus a little bit more on Olivier Vernon. Now, hopefully for the Browns, that will open something up for, as you mentioned, a Sheldon, an Adrian, a Porter, or or someone else. but for the most part, they, you know, they just haven't had that other guy. And in large part, it's because of the, what, what I would have to count as a somewhat disappointing season for Olivier Vernon. Yeah. I mean, they just haven't been able over the last couple of years. And I, I thought he was fine last year, kind of before he got hurt. He wasn't racking up numbers, but you know, it felt like he was in the backfield a little bit. Um, it felt like he was doing some things to at least affect the quarterback, but we're not even really seeing that now. And I know he was dealing with an injury, so maybe he's going to be a little bit better. And we, I mean, you can't even make the case that he's playing out of position anymore because miles has been playing on that other side now. So Olivier is back to that side that he's more comfortable on at least a little more often. So they're, they're going to have to get that figured out um, and, and go from there. I want to get into this topic here. Actually, you know what, before we talk about the overall kind of COVID thing and how the Browns have handled it, I'm just going to ask you this, does this change your outlook for Sunday's game? Uh, Yeah, it it does. It changes my outlook for Sunday's game. Um, But the other thing I do want to address real here real quick is it really changes my outlook for NFL defensive player of the year. Like I am concerned uh, for Miles, who wants this so bad this year, uh, that this is really going to hurt his chances potentially, because I think that um, you know that there's a very good chance he is going to have to miss that Jacksonville game. Uh, again, it's very confusing and very detailed about what he has to do to get back for that game. But let's just use something for comparison that will give us a little bit of a benchmark. Chris Hubbard tested positive last Friday. Okay. He is now about to miss his second straight game because of all the things that have to happen when you test positive late in the week. What we don't know was, was today the first positive test for Miles because he's been sick since Wednesday. That's, we're a little unclear about that. And they're not really allowed to tell us everything. They're just not. So we don't know all the details yet. Kevin Stefanski was very tight lipped about this today when we tried to get 
those details out of him. But for all intents and purposes, it seems like he's probably going to miss the Jaguars game too. Uh, so that means he is potentially going to play only 14 of 16 games. He's in a tight, tight battle and race for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. There are some guys that are really, really coming on strong. Again, as you mentioned, he leads the NFL with nine and a half sacks right now. In second place, right behind him, tied for, tied for second with nine, are Aaron Donald of the Rams and T.J. Watt of the Steelers, okay? T.J. Watt has had four and a half sacks in his last four games, whereas Aaron Donald has tailed off a little bit. He only has one and a half in his last four games, and he had this big chunk of sacks, four against the Washington, Washington football team. So TJ Watt is heating up and coming on strong and obviously playing for an undefeated football team. That's getting a lot of attention and a lot of run. He's also got like, I don't know, he's got a, you, you could probably look it up, but he's got a ton of quarterback hits. Uh, he's oh, actually, I remember now he's got 28 quarterback hits to miles is 14. Now what none of these guys have are the strip sacks that miles has this year. TJ Watt once had led the league with like six or something like that. He doesn't have any this year. So he would need to kind of catch up in that category. I think if he's going to really get some, some serious, serious consideration for NFL defensive player of the year, but then you've got guys like Brandon Graham in this game that has set, you know, has seven sacks. I mean, sacks mean a lot uh, for, for NFL defensive player of the year. So you've got Aaron, you've got Graham, you've got TJ Watt, you've got Khalil Mack. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys uh, that are go going to want this award. Miles wants it really bad because last year uh, he missed the last six games of the season when he was a candidate with 10 sacks in 10 games. And he has unfinished business. He really wants it. And he's playing with his hair on fire. And I think this puts a, a potentially serious dent uh, in his bid for that award. Well, and, you know, the other piece of that too is like, I mean, he's sick like this. He's not sitting at home asymptomatic. He's sick. So like, we don't know how long that's going to linger. We don't know how long that's going to affect him. So he might come back against Jacksonville or Tennessee or whatever. And he just, it might take him a couple games to get his legs under him. I mean, I think we saw some guys in the NBA who, you know, had had positive tests were sick and they went into the bubble after they, they were cleared and, and some of them just never quite got to where they wanted to get to. It's hard to come back from, you know, a respiratory illness like this. And we don't know kind of how this affects people long-term just yet. So, you know, there's a chance that even if he comes back against Jacksonville and then against Tennessee, those first few games back. Yeah. I mean, some people have speculated that maybe Cam Newton has, has been affected by it a little bit. You, you kind of have to get your legs back under you when, when you're sick like this. And, uh, you know, that, that's a concern too. That could certainly affect that defensive player of the year race. Absolutely. 100%. And the truth of the matter is we just don't know. I mean, we do not know how sick he is, uh, what his symptoms even are at this point. What we do know is that he appeared on Tuesday on inside the NFL and he okay. seemed absolutely fine that day. And he mentioned even uh, on that show that he went to, uh, that he had gone to Target the day before, I think. Um, and I can't even remember why he was saying that. But uh, so <laughs> it, it seems like Monday, Tuesday, he seemed like he was okay. As and, you know, unless maybe something came up on Tuesday night and those things can happen. I mean, uh, Austin Hooper 
didn't know until the night before. I think he had the appendectomy on Friday, but like it wasn't until right. Thursday night that he got sick. So uh, with Miles, we just don't know how serious this is with him. I've talked to uh, plenty of people where it does linger, right? I mean, it, right. It, you know, some people can have it for, uh, you know, a couple weeks, some, some people for three weeks, uh, some people get over it in a couple of days and it was no big deal. Uh, so every, everybody's different. Everybody has different uh, immune systems and underlying situations, risk factors. So we, the, the truth of the matter is right now, we just don't know. He could come back possibly there, you know, it's a long shot, but he could come back next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and be perfectly fine and, and get three sacks in that game. I mean, like we just really don't know. Or, or like you said, he could, he could miss two or three games and, you know, and then he really would be behind the eight ball in terms of not only trying to help the Cleveland Browns get to the playoffs, which is, which is his number one goal. Uh, and then his secondary goal of winning this major award. Yeah. I mean, like, it wouldn't be surprising at all. And obviously this is speculative, but it wouldn't be surprising at all if, you know, we're in Nashville and it's his first game back and maybe he can't play his regular amount of snaps. Maybe he's got to come off the field on first and second down and only be out there on, on rushing downs or, or something. You, you just don't know how this is going to affect him coming back from it. Cause we don't know, like you said, we don't know how sick he actually is. Um, I do want to talk quickly about how the Browns handled this. Uh, it seems like from the outside and, and we're not in that building, we, we, we're not seeing this stuff, but we're kind of going off what, you know, what they tell us, what we know, it seems like they've handled all of this pretty well. Um, they take, they've gone above and beyond precaution wise. They aren't, they aren't one of those teams like the Raiders that have gotten fined and uh, had draft picks threatened or did the, I think the Raiders actually had draft picks taken away. Um, so I think they deserve some credit at least. And I know I say this cautiously because a few days ago we gave the NFL a bunch of credit for how they've handled things. And here we are, but I think the Browns deserve credit for being overly cautious here. And they did the same thing with Odell Beckham a few, you know, before he got hurt, uh, he came down with something and they told him stay home. I, I, I give them credit for being overly cautious here and keeping him away because they kind of just shrugged and said, yeah, come back later this afternoon. And maybe they're not allowed to say that. But, but had they done that, maybe we're talking about more guys being out and more guys being out Sunday. So um, I think they deserve some credit here for how they handled this situation, at least specifically. Yeah, and, and there are gray areas there too, because you know they're, they're not allowed to say come back. If a guy has symptoms, if he has, and right now almost everything is a COVID symptom, right? I mean, right. if you have any kind of symptoms of any sort, you have to leave the not just leave, he never came to the facility on Wednesday. It wasn't like he was sent home. I mean, you have to just stay home. So they were off on Tuesday and then he felt enough symptoms uh, that he was uh, not permitted to come into the building on Wednesday. He, he did probably have to go show up to get tested though, right? Yes, yes, yes. They do come in to get tested. That is right. But there wouldn't uh, but, have been any, there wouldn't have been any contact. Yeah. But no, there would be no contact. Uh, whatsoever in that in that way, uh, and it should also be noted that they, that they have been on uh, intensive protocols for two weeks because of positive tests. So that means he has not been walking through the halls. He hasn't been in the weight room with other guys. You know, they haven't been uh, you know interacting with each other. They've been having virtual meetings, and they've really, really uh, you know been taking 
you know, just taking everything very, very seriously. So the Browns have done a really good job. So it's between the Browns doing a good job, Miles reporting his symptoms, you know, instead of saying, hey, you know, whatever, uh, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm just going to go to practice today and see how it goes, right? I think it's incumbent upon the players too to really take their symptoms very seriously and say, I don't think I should be around people today because a lot of people try to gut it out, right? But I think uh, for Odell and for Miles to quickly report that they had some kind of symptoms and, you know, to enable the team to get them away from everybody is, is a key part in all of this. Yeah. Credit to miles. And uh, you know, we've seen this before from him, actually, while you were talking about that, I just thought back to his rookie year um, when he self-reported his concussion symptoms, you know, so he's obviously a smart guy who's very aware of kind of his responsibility. Um, And and they kind of showed early in in that point in his career, but then, then we saw it here as well. So yeah, because in the NFL, you know, obviously for a guy like miles, who's paid his job is safe. It's a little different, but these guys, don't usually stay home. We'll put it that way. They, that, that's very difficult for these guys to do. Yeah. And, and the fact that, that it happened so early on in the week, like say for instance, that he doubted it a little bit, like, Oh, well, maybe I'm not that bad. I'm a little stuffy. And again, we don't know all the details, yeah. but maybe my allergies come, are acting up. Yeah. Had he come in and practiced on Wednesday, there is a darn good chance that there would have been some high risk contacts out of this situation and there are none. So we do have to give him a lot of credit for quickly reporting and for the Browns, you know, taking it seriously and keeping him home. And, uh, you know, and then now ultimately with the positive test today, it was, I was surprised because even as, as recently as yesterday, uh, Kevin Stefanski was still saying, Oh, you know, we'll see, but yeah, we're hoping to, you know, we're hoping to have him back tomorrow. Maybe they knew something that they didn't, that they weren't telling us. There's a chance that that could have happened. He may have tested. We don't know exactly when he, there, there's a situation where you can test positive one day and they don't have to put you on the list until the next day. Right. Isn't there, a, there's like a 24 hour lag in the test. Isn't yeah. Because of the Matthew, like Matthew Stafford rule, because, because of the false positive situation that sometimes happens that happened once with Matthew Stafford, his whole entire, entire world got turned upside down. Uh, his kids, you know, they didn't want his kids in preschool. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's the Matthew Stafford rule. You don't have to be placed on the list until you have a second positive test within 24 hours. So he actually may have tested positive yesterday. We don't know that. Um, but what we do know is that he reported symptoms as early as Wednesday, which possibly, possibly leaves a slight window open for him to come back for Jacksonville, but I'm doubting it. All right. Well, we'll see what happens here over the next week. It's certainly going to be a story that uh, we're going to talk about all week long next week. And uh, we probably won't get any answers, but we're sure going to try. (laughs) Look, I'll, I don't. I didn't answer my own question earlier as to whether this this affects what I thought of this game. I, I've been telling you all along that this game made me nervous, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about picking the Eagles anyway. I think I'm going to end up picking the Eagles in this game. I think the Browns can still win it. Yeah, uh, but they're just going to have to find a different way uh, to go out there and do it on Sunday against the Eagles. So I, I think they're quite. Look, they have the coaching staff to do it. These guys 
don't flinch. That's for sure. All right. Oh, uh, you know, I, I was just going to say, I mean, they, you have been talking about that all week about there's just something about this game. You've had this gnawing feeling in the back of, of your mind about this game. And I think it's in part because of uh, the Eagles really stout, strong defensive front that's tied for third in the NFL with 31 sacks. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders coming back for them and it just being one of those games. I mean, as you have, have been saying in, in every single season, you lose a game that you're not supposed to lose. And we've seen it all over the NFL this whole entire season. Right. You lose a game you're not supposed to lose. Could this be the one for them? They're certainly hoping that. Well, if they do lose this game, I think one of our questions on Monday is going to be, uh, is Miles Garrett an MVP candidate? Yeah. <laughs> so right. get yourself ready for that one. All right, that'll do it for this emergency edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, to get yourself ready for the Eagles game, we have all sorts of previews up on this feed. Uh, go check out Friday's pod because we did a picks pod and we did uh, an interview with Mike K from our sister site at nj.com. He covers the Eagles. And Mary Kay, you were also a guest on Gotta Watch the Tape, which went up on Friday. So uh, just scroll back in the feed and you'll find all sorts of stuff to get you ready for Sunday's game. Most of it recorded pre-Miles Garrett. It's still relevant. So go give it a listen. For Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.